No House Advantage is taking a different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop contests across the NBA, MLB, NFL, and PGA for cash prizes. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps. Download the No House Advantage app and check out our daily player prop contest without having to make a deposit. Play in public guaranteed cash prize pool contests or create your own private contest with friends. Use promo code EDGE when signing up, and they'll match your first deposit with a $20 in free play. If your first-time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests that include all types of player statistics. Featured player prop contests combine players of different positions across several statistical categories. Compete against other users and track in real-time as you climb the leaderboard. Download the No House Advantage app now using promo code EDGE and they'll match your first deposit with up to $20 in free play. If your first time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF Edge annual subscription. Welcome to the Monday edition, the Monday Night Football edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I am Kevin Cole, data scientist here at PFF. I am joined by Ben Brown, fellow data geek, betting, I'll say betting expert. I don't even know what, I don't I'm a fantasy expert, betting expert. I'm sure what it means here. He likes to bet. <laughs> he, he, he likes to get a little something out there. I think you guys too do too. That's why you're listening. So Ben, First, before we get into everything Monday Night Football, let's talk about some of the stuff that we saw today uh, on Sunday uh, before you, when we're taping this, before you guys are listening to it tomorrow. And the first thing that I want to get into is some, are we buying, are we selling, are we holding some of the trends like we've done in, in previous weeks here? So first we'll say uh, Rams-Bills, one of the most exciting matchups. We almost had another... 28 to 3 uh, comeback here. But the question would be I think both teams acquitted themselves pretty well, at least offensively here. Uh, they were both undefeated coming into this. They're both teams that people were somewhat skeptical of. So coming out of this matchup, what do you think, Ben? Are you buying the Rams or the Bills? I mean, it was a fun game. I think you uh, touched on that well. The 28 to 3 reference, of course, it's great. But I think a lot of people went in not quite sure what to make of either team. Um, and the best part about this game is we kind of thought that we were at least going to learn something about both teams. But I don't know. I'm still maybe even more perplexed leaving it than I uh, was before the game actually started. I mean, the Rams should have probably won at the end. The fourth and eight defensive pass interference call I thought was pretty touchy with 25 seconds left. Um, I think that was a pretty big miss by the officials. So I would probably lean towards buying into the Rams more. Um, not necessarily just from that. I do think coming back from 28-3 was pretty impressive. Um, you know, at this the struggles of Josh Allen are kind of continuing to be highlighted at this point. I think Josh Hermesmeyer had a pretty good article on 538 about Allen's um, difficulties. And basically what he said is Allen's numbers are great and unstable, less predictive metrics and middle of the road and the ones that are more predictive. And I think that kind of sums up um, Allen really well. So it's just hard to know exactly what to make of them. And I would not necessarily say that they're, um, favorites in the AFC East at this point. I do think Cam and the Patriots are probably um, the team that I would be projecting out to win here. So I probably would learn a little bit more about the Rams um, and think, you know, obviously the NFC West is going to be very difficult to 
come out of, but I think, you know, the Cardinals lost today. So I do probably have the Rams right behind uh, the Seahawks and the NFC West. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think the thing with Allen is, we we keep on saying this stuff about Josh Allen, and then he keeps on having these these big performances. But again, like like you had mentioned, the stuff that doesn't show up is the stuff that's a little bit more tr- um, troubling, or the stuff that doesn't show up in people's minds. I mean, the things like you know he he did throw an interception, he did have a fumble, he did take some big sacks, he had forty yards worth of sacks, he had two fifteen yard uh, personal fouls, which almost not which almost knocked them out of thing. So he had all these different accumulation of things, but what everyone saw is you know the, the comeback and the touchdown at at the end. So he's definitely playing at a much higher level. So so I, I, I'm I'm buying the Bills being much better than I thought they were going into the season. But I agree that in a lot of ways, the way that the Rams played, a lot of the numbers may may actually look better for them. So so I'm with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So uh, let's go Let's go into the next one. How about this? We had a few interesting end-of-game situations happen. We had our first tie of the 2020 season happen in Week 3. So I'm wondering, going for two and the win when kicking ties the game with under 20 seconds left in the game, are you buying, selling, or holding that strategy? What, what kind of decisions would you probably be thinking to at that point well a lot of it is going to depend on how you feel about your chances in overtime um i mean so in today you know in today's games there was the eagles you know they chose to kick the extra point go to overtime i don't remember how much time was on the clock i think it was 20 something seconds yeah, right it was like 24 maybe with 25 seconds when they actually scored so yeah it was a little bit right uh, probably a little closer probably yeah, so so there, there are a bunch of different factors here. Number one, the better you are, the more confident you should feel in overtime. But then also, the better you are, the more confident you should feel about getting the two-point conversion. But then, the better your opponent is, the more scared you should be if you leave time on the clock that you're motivating them to get the game-winning field goal by leaving some time. But you're right, 24 seconds isn't enough time. The Bengals are not the most threatening offense, at least right now. They're not They're not really stretching the ball down the field. But you might not have confidence in getting that two-point conversion because the Eagles' offense has been a little bit rough here. So, I mean, I, I can see it going e- either way. I think I would have gone for two there, but I can understand why the Eagles think, you know what, let's get one and let's win in overtime because we're the better team. Because as we saw in overtime, the Bengals' offense wasn't really able to do much also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't probably that egregious of a decision. It's just I think the punt um... – at the end of overtime, basically, was definitely the worst decision made. But it's interesting to see what the Eagles uh, come up with here. So, I don't know. Two teams that, I guess, uh, weren't very impressive and ended up tying. So, I guess it happens. Well, we, speaking of unimpressive, we have two 3-0 teams here, the Bears and the Titans. Uh, I think we know, just on a high level, why the Bears are not the most impressive 3-0, 3-0 team. They've literally started their second best quarterback this entire of all three games this season yet they're yet they're three and out the titans i think they have something like a point differential this season of six set plus six seven points and that's that's it but yet they're three and out so between those two teams who do you which team do you think is the worst of those three and out teams right i mean basically if mitchell trubisky was still starting i would definitely lean towards the bears being the worst team but with Nick Foles now in the fold, um, I do think they're actually much better off. Like you said, they basically had their second best quarterback starting here to begin the season. I'm not sure what into that initial decision went into that initial decision making process, but it was definitely a perplexing one coming out of training camp. Um, I do think Tannehill is probably still the best quarterback compared to Nick Foles. Definitely showed that last year, and I think um, you know AJ Brown might be the best receiver among those receiving core. 
but um, I would probably lean toward Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller just because it seems like Titans are pretty thin with A.J. Brown banged up. So I don't know. I would probably – I think that the AFC South in general is really bad. I'm not a believer in the Colts. And the Texans actually probably have to win a game before we can really start talking about them. Um, and on the flip side, I don't think the NFC North is as bad as people think. Of course, they have the Packers at the top who look like one of the best teams in the NFC. Vikings are garbage, but I don't think they're probably as – much of garbage as people are currently piling on them to be so and the Lions, you know they beat a pretty solid cardinals team so if it's if we're talking about what team do i expect to win their respective division i would probably lean towards the titans um, i don't expect the bears to come even close at this point i do think that they'll probably drop one to either lions or vikings and maybe you know maybe they drop more than one so if i'm buying stock and then winning the division i'm definitely going on the titan side yeah, no, I, I agree there. I mean, Tannehill's been good. I mean, he was pretty good, even right. though they weren't winning by a lot those first few games. They were just, you know, they're giving the ball to Derrick Henry a lot, and he wasn't producing a lot there. So I'm a little bit more confident after having a good season last year from Tannehill that that will continue. And Nick Foles is Nick Foles, you know. He'll come in, he'll have this sort of game. And it's a distinct possibility that if he gets the start next week, um, you know, at halftime, people are going to say, should we be putting Trubisky back in the game because Foles had looked so bad, <laughs> so bad in the first half? So we don't, uh, yeah, I just a little bit less confident in, in yeah, the Bears in the Bears right now. Let's hope that scenario doesn't play out, but we'll see. So I got one more for you, kind of along those same lines. Falcons or Texans, which of these two teams would you say is the better or best 0-3 team? I don't think there's any other 0-3 teams that are really on the same level as these two teams. So what one would you pick if you had, you know, say one of them maybe made a shocking run to the playoffs or at least turn around their season to the point where, um, you know, Dan Quinn's not essentially out the door tomorrow morning or something like that? Yeah, I mean, okay, not to say that the Falcons have had the easiest schedule having faced the, the Seahawks and then also the Cowboys, but they did lose to the Bears. And this is, you know, and, and these, these comebacks are just so demoralizing. And then on the flip side, if we want to talk about the hardest schedule, I think it's pretty easy to say that the Texans have had the hardest schedule in the NFL, starting Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers. All of those together, um, they really haven't been able to get much going offensively at all. But having faced at least the Ravens and the Steelers defenses back to back, that could be uh, a major reason for that. So I think you have you have more a lot more hope there. You have hope the defense can get better. I think they've been the worst defense in the NFL uh, EPA per play, but the success rate hasn't actually been been the worst. So hopefully they can get a little bit a little bit better in that regard. Things can start to turn around there. And then you have Deshaun Watson on the other side, and I'm always going to take uh, who kind of who I perceive to be the better quarterback, assuming that that is stable and then everything else can kind of shift around and get better. So I'm taking them as the best uh, 0-3 team. Nice, yeah. I, I, I agree with you in that. I would definitely side with the Texans at this point as well. So we'll see. It'll be interesting if they can uh, turn some things around and maybe get back into that AFC South playoff picture. So, But let's, let's, talk, let's move on to Monday night. I mean, this is a game that people have probably had circled on their calendars for quite some time. I think it has... Um, even more significance in 2020 just with relation to how the playoff rules are structured that number one seed overall essentially is the only one that's going to have a buy in the first round so i do think it has some heightened importance and i do think that um, because of that this is probably going to be one of the best early season matchups that we have ever seen from an nfl perspective so from that regard i cannot wait but um from a betting perspective we've seen this spread as continue to move towards the ravens who have taken over um our number one spot in our elo rankings 
The Chiefs have kind of gotten a higher percentage of tickets, but the cash has basically been even um, for the spread. But if, I think a lot of people, if they're betting on the Chiefs, they're taking them on that money line, um, which is kind of, you know, getting that plus money action. I do think that that's not a terrible bet. I think, you know, at the spread moving from three to three and a half has been quite significant. Um, it actually opened up at two and a half, crossed three, got to three and a half. So we see over 8% of NFL games land at minus three, which is a ton of value to be crossing that key number. So at three and a half, I definitely am buying into uh, the Chiefs at this point on Sunday Night Football. But um, I'm wondering, what are you seeing uh, from a showdown perspective in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, this is pegged as a shootout, but then it's also pegged as a, as a really great Ravens defense. Some people, and I'm not going to quite include myself in this yet, but some people are thinking they may be the, the best defense in the NFL. So the, the, the key here is... Lamar Jackson when it comes to showdown because of the fact that he brings rushing, he brings passing, he brought, you know, his insane touchdown efficiency last year. And at the same time, he the way he plays and the way that offense is structured, he kind of depresses the value of everyone else in that offense. The pass catchers normally are not super involved other than the tight ends. So Mark Andrews is someone you want to take a look at. The running backs, uh, you're they're really splitting that workload almost um, at least in the, from, from a rushing perspective, almost evenly between Ingram, Dobbins, and then uh, Gus Edwards is also getting some some run back there. So because of that, uh, Jackson's the guy that I have projected, at least for the captain spot, to be over 20% owned. And that's with all these other great options on there. So, um, so I, I see him as, as being a slight value but not much there and it's really when you start to move move further down the ranks that guys get more and more value here marquise brown is someone who shows up just with the hope that a couple of long touchdowns there he can get the ball out to the wide receivers a bit more miles boykin is maybe not a great captain option but he's someone who's been running a lot of routes and getting more involved in his in his sophomore season that people probably haven't been paying much attention to the fact that he's moving up the the depth chart there so he's another guy and then, um, of course, when you look at the, at the Chiefs side of things, it's a little bit more difficult to find value other than on Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are guys that you're going to want to sprinkle in there, too. And then if you go for a little bit further down, the Ravens defense is actually popping pretty well on here. I'm, I'd be surprised because Mahomes doesn't give up a lot of sacks or a lot of interceptions. But the key would be if they can get ahead and kind of press that lead, perhaps they can get a, a big mistake out of Mahomes. Yeah, I like that. I really like that line of thinking. So where where do you have Mahomes' ownership projections at for the captain or flex position? I mean, I'm assuming he's going to be in pretty close to 90 to 100% of lineups in at some point, just as whether he is kind of in that captain spot or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a much more heavily uh, in the in the flex than in the captain. I mean, the thing is, Lamar Jackson just depresses everyone else. I mean, if you look right. at Jackson last year, he, his ownership was really, the majority of it was between 30 and 40 percent which is just an, an astronomical number um, whereas Mahomes is more like a 20 percent or even less than that so in, in this matchup I have them kind of weighing on each other so Jackson closer to 20 percent uh, Mahomes more like 12 13 percent in the captain but then when we get over into the flex position this is when Jackson and Mahomes are both up over 50 percent so we're talking about both of them are going to be owned in you know 70 75 percent of lineups which doesn't leave a lot of spend for for other players so that's why 
I think things like looking at the defense who can be good, uh, thinking about can someone like Demarcus Robinson get a, get a touchdown or get a couple of plays like he did in he could have taken advantage of in week one. It's going to be guys like that that you're going to want to sprinkle in, and then and then Gus Edwards also C- can he get a rushing touchdown somehow if he gets enough uh, carries out of the backfield? So it's going to be finding those those plays further down, and then maybe if you want to just throw a dart at someone like a like a Byron Pringle, someone who may actually be running a route out there who has some chance of doing something at a pretty much bargain basement price that that's an option yeah i do really like the miles boykin uh suggestion too from the raven side and i think from the chiefs side it kind of comes down to whether sammy watkins is able to go as well because i think there kind of could be some interesting pivots occurring based on if he's available or not i think he's questionable at this point we'll probably get some sort of information here uh heading up towards game time but in the situation where Sammy Watkins doesn't play are you targeting Demarcus Robinson more are you going to look more towards Mikel Hardman do you think or is there um, anybody else that 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 injury situation would kind of open up for you yeah, I mean, I think it would be Robinson. I mean, we'll see if people have soured that much on Hardman or not, but he was a pretty popular guy leading into the season as a potential breakout. So this would be the, oh, now it's going to happen sort of reaction, I think, is, I think, and which could cause him to be, to be over-owned going into this game. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, this is perfect. We got, you know, the best game that we could possibly ask for coming up here on Monday Night Football. Uh, this was, I'm Ben Brown. This was Kevin Cole. We talked through some of our buying, selling, and holding from week three Sunday slate of action. Went over some betting and some showdown here up for Monday Night Football. This is the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. We hope you join us in again. Thank you.